Today is October 5th, known to North Americans as 10-5. That's CB code for Pass It On, which is a good way to describe most episodes of Charlottesville Community Engagement, a newsletter and podcast that seeks to relay information as often as possible. I'm your host, Sean Tubbs, with another installment of the program. Now, let's get 10-8, and I'll try not to 10-11. On today's show, a private vendor will be setting up a community vaccination center at the Big Lots in Seminole Square. VDOT has hired a new engineer to run the Culpeper District that includes our community. Planning is underway to replace a machine that helps with paper and cardboard recycling in Albemarle and Charlottesville. And the Charlottesville City Council votes to join a regional tax board and to give $50,000 to a community policing effort. In today's Patreon-fueled shout-out, fall is here, and with it, more moderate temperatures. While your HVAC takes a break, now is the perfect time to prepare for the cooler months. Your local energy nonprofit, LEAP, wants you and yours to keep comfortable all year round. LEAP offers free home weatherization to income and age qualifying residents. So, if you're age 60 or older, or have an annual household income of less than $74,950, you may qualify for a free energy assessment and home energy improvements, such as insulation and air sealing. Sign up today to lower your energy bills, increase comfort, and reduce energy waste at home. The Virginia Department of Health reports 1,428 new cases of COVID-19 this morning. And last night, the head of the Blue Ridge Health District had the beginnings of good news to report to City Council. We're beginning to see a slight downturn in our current infection rate. Um, Really, for the first time last week, we did not have any triple-digit days with regards to cases. Uh, They were all below 100. Dr. Bonds said most of the cases are the Delta variant, and there are currently no signs of any new strain emerging. There is currently no universal recommendation that vaccinated individuals get booster shots, but they are available for people who had the Pfizer vaccine and who are older than 65 or people with underlying medical conditions. We do ask that you schedule an appointment so that we have enough Pfizer um, on board there, but they are available everywhere that we are vaccinating. Beginning next week, the former Big Lots location in Seminole Square will reopen as a new vaccination center in the same location where the University of Virginia had been providing shots. This is actually a vendor-run vaccination clinic. It's a contract that our central office, BDH, has uh, with an emergency response organization called ASHBRIT. An official announcement will be forthcoming regarding the new community vaccination center. Later this month, on October 14th and October 15th, a Food and Drug Administration panel will review data regarding the possibility of boosters for Moderna and Johnson & Johnson vaccines. This will be emergency use uh, authorization again, uh, and it will still, even if it's approved by the FDA on that date, we'll still have to go to the CDC advisory committee. Dr. Bonds said the FDA has tentatively scheduled a meeting for October 26th to consider use of the Pfizer vaccine in children under the age of 12. When the Charlottesville-Albemarle Metropolitan Planning Organization's Policy Board next meets, 
there will be a new person representing the Virginia Department of Transportation. Sean Nelson will become the new district engineer for VDOT's Culpeper District, which spans nine counties. Nelson is a native of Louisa County and currently lives there, raising his family. He said he's honored to return to the Culpeper District as the district engineer. Nelson's last position was as the maintenance engineer for VDOT's Richmond District. In the new job, he will be in charge of construction, maintenance, and operations maintenance, project development, and business functions of nearly 10,500 lane miles. The Virginia Department of Transportation manages road construction projects in all of those counties, including six projects being designed and built under one contract in Albemarle County. However, Charlottesville manages its own construction projects and has been the recipient of multiple projects under SmartScale. Last month, Council signaled it would likely forego $3.25 million in VDOT funds for the first phase of the West Main Streetscape and $4 million for the second phase. Both required a match of local funding, funding which will now be transferred to a $75 million project to renovate Buford Middle School. The Commonwealth Transportation Board approved $10.8 million for the third phase of West Main Street, which requires no match. It is unclear if that phase will move ahead. All of the phases were designed as part of a $2.85 million planning study overseen by the firm Roadside and Harwell. Construction on the Belmont Bridge finally got underway this summer after many years of planning. There are many other open VDOT projects in Charlottesville that have not yet gone to construction. There's an infographic with a list in the newsletter. Last night, Charlottesville City Council voted 4-1 to one to join a regional board that will administer cigarette taxes generated in outlying counties. Until this year, only cities in Virginia have been able to levy such a tax, which generated $641,494 for Charlottesville in fiscal year 2020. The city gets 55 cents a pack. Mayor Nakaya Walker voted against the item, partially out of a concern it would penalize people who were low income. And I know that we, you know, discuss it from a public health form, but the most people are not going to stop smoking because they there's an increased tax on it. The tax board would be administered by the Thomas Jefferson Planning District, for whom David Blunt is deputy director. And right now we have six counties uh, that have so far agreed to establish this board. Um, we know of one additional county in our greater region and even one town. Uh, that is uh, showing some interest in participating. Counties cannot charge more than 40 cents a pack. Council also agreed to donate $50,000 to the Buck Squad for their community policing efforts on a 3-2 to two vote. Councilor Michael Payne joined Mayor Walker in voting against the measure out of concerns raised by the Public Housing Association of Residents and the Charlottesville Redevelopment and Housing Authority. The Buck Squad program is something really important, um, that model. Um, but I would say just given it, I would just want to have clear lockstep assurance that CRHA and FAR are all on the same page in terms of what they're doing. Um, and just not being 100% sure to that, you know, I'm going to vote no for that reason, hoping that, you know, that partnership can evolve and become successful. Council also voted to establish a ground lease for the Botanical Garden of the Piedmont to operate in a section of McIntyre Park. The group will be responsible for raising the funds to construct improvements called for in their schematic plan. 
Here's city manager Chip Boyles. It's very important for the nonprofit to obtain a lease so that they can complete their fundraising efforts. Um, the city does not have any funds in the CIP for this project, and therefore this would not be a project that would go to construction under city management. That vote was five to zero. You're listening to Charlottesville Community Engagement, and it's time now for a second Patreon-fueled shout-out. WTJU 91.1 FM is a different sort of radio station. It's dedicated to sharing the transcendent experience of music while raising funds this week from listeners across the world. All this week through October 10th, WTJU is airing its annual Jazz Marathon. Tune in for a deep dive into everything from bebop to blues. WTJU's volunteer DJs will play the spectrum of jazz, from Billie Holiday to Cannonball Adderley to Pharoah Sanders, plus live local jazz performances throughout the week. Visit WTJU.org to learn more. At the end of their meeting last night, Charlottesville City Council held another lengthy discussion about the termination of Police Chief Rochelle Brackney. I may or may not make it back to that item in a future installment of the newsletter. In addition to the police chief, Charlottesville continues to have many high-profile vacancies. The position for Director of Elections is being advertised through October 15th. Other openings include the Director of Parks and Recreation as well as the Director of Public Works. The person who most recently held the latter position is David Brown, who only worked for Charlottesville for a year. Brown was honored by the Rivanna Solid Waste Authority at their meeting on September 28th. He's one of their members. Here's the chair, Mike Gaffney. And what is that old saying, David, we hardly knew you. Let's stick with the Rivanna Solid Waste Authority for the rest of the show. They are experiencing higher volumes of tonnage received at their Ivy Materials Utilization Center. Material is sorted there before being sent out to other landfills or possibly recycled. As a result, the RSWA is asking the Virginia Department of Environmental Quality to increase the amount it can transfer each day from 300 tons to 450. The executive director's report for the September meeting states that, We believe that by increasing our facility limit to 450 tons per day will not result in a great deal more traffic, but rather allow us to accept the few large-load customers that are bringing us materials from infrequent large projects, such as the field turf replacement project or a UVA building demolition project that we've been seeing in the past couple of years. RSWA Solid Waste Director Phil McCaleb's said that many times his agency does not know that material is coming until it shows up. We tend to find out about these projects uh, when they come across the scale. So our, our, our ability to impact the planning of a project is, it, it's usually pretty far down the pipeline by the time we see it. McCaleb said the RSWA has received a lot of waste material from the Southwood Redevelopment Project in recent weeks. Recently, an area where household waste had been discarded over the years was cleared and sent to the Ivy Materials Utilization Center. The increase to 450 tons would help on days when they exceed the 300-ton-a-day limit. Whoever cleared the site mixed a lot of um, debris in with the soil, so they had to bring it all out to us for disposal. Um, We didn't know that was coming ahead of time, and, uh, you know, all of a sudden we've got 
an extra 140 tons in a day to deal with. McCaleb said this material is not to be confused with areas that may have been contaminated with oil that leaked from storage tanks under trailers. That will be going through a separate process monitored by the DEQ. Planning to reduce greenhouse gas emissions takes many forms. Albemarle County's Climate Action Plan has a whole chapter on sustainable materials management, which has multiple strategies to divert items from landfills. Strategy 5.1.3 is to identify if there is a need for local additional paper cardboard balers in Albemarle County. That item is under review by the Rivanna Solid Waste Authority, and McCaleb's gave a briefing. The RSWA operates a facility on Mead Avenue that sorts paper material brought to the Ivy Materials Utilization Center and the McIntyre Recycling Center. People put their recyclable materials in there and we take those back to the paper sort facility and we by and large bale all those products. That allows us to save a lot of shipping costs um, in getting them to our vendors. However, there are access issues with the site that have to be addressed. The property on which the facility is located on Mead Avenue is leased by the Woolen Mills Self-Storage, but RSWA can only access it on property leased by Gerdau Metals Recycling. An access agreement has a 90-day termination clause, and the bailing equipment is over 20 years old. The thing's getting has been well used and it's getting near the end of its service life. That's prompted McCaleb's to see if there's another option for the future. For instance, there's not enough covered storage space to keep the material protected from rain and moisture that would make it unusable for recycling. The RSWA also collects paper material from other private collection sites, such as at Kohl's and Walmart. That creates logistical issues, such as what to bail and when. So this facility gets a lot of cardboard that cardboard doesn't really isn't conducive to pushing it back in a trailer and pulling it out later. So we leave it out front, and then that's one of the earliest products to get bailed. Having said that, though, remember we've got all those other materials in the back that then need to be pulled back out, driven around the cardboard, and bailed. So with the future need, McCaleb's presented three options for the future. The first would renovate and expand on site and would have a $2 million capital cost. The second would be to skip the local bailing facility entirely and ship out to other entities. That would include no capital costs, but would increase operating costs of $550,000 in the first year and $300,000 each year after. The third would be to build a new paper sort facility with two balers. Obviously, this is going to be the most expensive option. Um, it was looking to be about $4.3 million um, in the feasibility study. If the third option is pursued, McCaleb said the next step is to work with Albemarle and Charlottesville to identify a potential site for the new location. He said they'll need about three acres of land. Lance Stewart is Albemarle's Director of Facilities and Environmental Services. He said that he is hopeful to be able to work with the city government to develop an approach to move forward with a new facility. I think it's a complex um, set of issues that I'm hoping we can come together on. The presentation comes just as Albemarle and Charlottesville are about to start their budget cycle. The RSWA board reached consensus to direct staff to move forward with the engineering study for a new facility.
And that's it for this installment of Charlottesville Community Engagement. Very solid waste, heavy edition. Uh, you could say that about all of them. I'm sure there's a pun in there someplace. Uh, thank you very much for listening. As always, really quickly, just want you guys to know that if you chip in on Substack at the $5 a month subscription level, $50 a year, or $200 a year, Ting will match that amount, which is really great. It's an extra revenue source that helps me continue to keep plotting out and keep trying to write up as many of these as possible. As I said at the top of the show, my hope here is to relay as much information as I can and uh, so you can become better informed, which is, of course, pretty much all I have ever wanted to do as a journalist. Um, so that's so that's one way. Other ways, you could also support the program by contributing through Patreon. If you've heard that $25 a month, uh, you get a shout-out. You get four shout-outs um, a month. So that's something that we can talk about. If you have any questions about any of this, as always, please drop me a line. Uh, it's pretty easy to get in touch with me. I'm Sean Tubbs, the host of this program, and I will be back tomorrow with another installment. In the meantime, 10-4, good buddy.